Gutsies. Chad White. Hoagies and grinders. Hoagies and grinders. Hoagies and grinders and some buffalo wings. Make sure you're eating that mic, Chad. Right up on your nog, dude. Just pull it right in close. Yep. Check one, two, check one, two. Let's talk first first and foremost about how luscious his beard is. Oh, my God. And it's not even as long as it used to be. I saw some pictures of you. It was dirty, dude. it's real long. It used to be super long. Chad, are you Polish? (laughs) No. Can you scoot back, dude? I can't see my friend Chad. (laughs) Chad. Why don't you scoot forward? We need need a connection. Yeah, I need to have my connection. Yeah, dude. Jules Jules got to get real emotional on you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. We are uh, joined in the studio by none other than Chef Chad White. That's literally what I have you in my phone as. Ooh. Not just Chad White, Chef Chad White. One word? Uh, st- no, no spaces? Two, there's some spaces in between Chef and Chad. Um, Chad, you are uh, not only a um, wizard in the kitchen, but you also are a owner of, of many um, beautiful businesses, restaurants in town. You have a ceviche house called El Blanco. You have... No, it's not called El Blanco. <laughs> <laughs> get it right. Try to get it. Lock it up, bro. <laughs> Who, whose show is this? <laughs> well, you have a ceviche, get it right. You have a ceviche house called White Blanco. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are just going to change our name weekly from now on. Yeah. Um, correct him. Please correct me. What's the, what's the name? Zona Blanco. Zona Blanco. There it is. You have a ceviche house called Zona Blanco. You have a, a, a lobster roll restaurant uh, called High Tide. Mm-hmm. You have a barbecue joint called TT's. Um, don't you, you still have a restaurant in San Diego, am I right? Yes, uh, Craft Pizza Company. Craft Pizza Company. How many different uh, restaurants do you own currently, or are you involved in? I have five of my own, and then I do some consulting around town as well. Yeah, because you also, there's a catering situation happening right now for yeah, you. Yeah, you know, we're trying to do a little bit of here and there in people's homes, trying yeah. to keep their cheer up and providing some good food where they can't get it at our restaurants that are closed. Right. Yeah. Wow, man. So... Obviously, what's the date today? Today is September Who knows, 15th. Dude. Nobody knows. But uh, we are in the thick of it. We are six months deep into... Um, seven. Seven months deep into COVID-19. It's more like they're six months deep into us. Yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> Good, Good point. <laughs> Yikes, dude. Um, Yikes. Yeah, and they didn't even buy us breakfast either. No. No, no nothing. No. Um, obviously... No business hit harder than the service industry, restaurants. Um, how have you uh, evolved, adapted? Have you been able to evolve your business and to continue um, getting food to the people? Are you completely on a standstill? What's your situation like right now, Chad? Well, each each different restaurant has its own, you know, struggles, right? Yeah. Its own limitations. So Zona Blanca has been closed since March. We've done a couple little kind of pop-up things here. Uh, the first one that we did was really about trying to get rid of ingredients that we had in-house, right? We didn't uh. want food to go to waste. We're already losing money because 
things were crashing pretty quick, and so we wanted to find a quick way to make that happen. But then we had, you know, people came out and really supported us. They were yeah. like, oh, we're going to help you sell this out. And we did it in a matter of hours. Wow. Which was really incredible. And then we decided to do another one, and it I can't remember what it fell on. There was some symbolic reason why we decided to do another day where we opened up. And I think it had something to do with just helping out with our um, our first responders, uh, right? Word, yeah. Helping out the doctors, helping out the police and the firemen and things mm-hmm. like that um, that were taking care of business for us. And and then we just, we went dark. You know, we, we closed our refrigeration off, um, unplugged everything, turned the lights out. And it's really unfortunate because Steel Barrel, who we sublease a space from, you know, they were just, Sorry, guys, you guys have to close, Wow! right? Because yeah. they're a nightclub license only. Even though they're really not a light nightclub, they, ha- they were forced to be closed. Hmm. Um, so that meant that we needed to close as well. High Tide One is located inside of a bank building. And with all the businesses that, sure. you know, could work from home, um, they were. So we really didn't have the business that we, that we wanted, right? Um, and so we decided to close that down and then... Uh, once things got a little better, we were able to reopen High Tide 2, and we've been open since. Um, but business is really, it's mild, right, yeah. in comparison to where we were. Sure. Where is High, excuse me, where is High Tide 2 located? So High Tide 2 is located in the old Wonder Bread factory, which is now called the Wonder Building at 835 North Post Street. No way. It's right next door to David's Pizza and the Spokane Arena, just west of the flour mill. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize you had two of these high tides. Man, those lobster rolls are beyond get me some of those, so man. good. I Come mean, you on. just brought some of your ribs and banana cream puds mm. and I <laughs> just had some banana cream puds banana in my pud. pants from for all, having some for of all that, you, dude. For all you listeners at home, oh uh, puds is short for pudding. <laughs> <laughs> what else would it be? What else, what else would banana puds be? We tried be? to just put it as nana pud on the menu Ooh. and people <laughs> were like, Ugh. Is that two <laughs> is that, is that two O's and a D or just P-U-D? Z. P-U-D-Z. Oh, definitely. Because that'd be puds. Yeah, P O O D Z. Trying to get them. Is there like a dot dot over the U, or is that pudes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's isn't that like Slavic? <laughs> I don't know. I was just wondering how you'd spell it. Um, man, so like, let me ask you a question. What's your What's the first response that you have when this when this all hits? Like, you're a, you're an owner of five different restaurants. So you're just like. What do you do? Like, where does your head immediately go? Is it panic mode? Or are you like a cool, calm, collected type of guy? Like, where do you go? I am all the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think oh shit was the immediate yeah. response. Um, looking at your business and watching it cut into a quarter, wow. you have to really start thinking about what you're going to do next, right? And yeah. the first thing that comes to mind before our customers, which we love so much, is our staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we navigate the situation? What pivoting do we need to do in order to make this work? And at the end of the day, we have to make a decision very, very quickly that is in support of the business so that we can retain as many people as we possibly can who are employed with us. Right. Um, and I'll be honest, at the beginning, we were just like, we don't know what the hell we're going to do. Right. I mean, it was just really, con- it, was, it was confusing, right? And on top of that, we're in a scenario where our government is actually being reactionary versus proactive. Mm-hmm. 
So for the first like four months, our governor was coming out with a with a press release um, or a press conference and saying these are the new rules, but then didn't really flush out how those rules would be implemented right. or if yeah. businesses could actually survive underneath those sure. requirements or mandates. And then society went, let's grab our pitchforks. <laughs> we're right. going to go to Olympia. We're going to cause uh, hell, right? Yeah. And then there was like this, oh, oh okay, that wasn't a, re a reasonable expectation. Sure. Let's pull these things back. And so a lot of businesses that were like, oh, we got to lay everyone off. Then we're trying to invite their staff back to work mm. because there was a reverse in like the mandate, right? Mm -hmm. And that became very difficult for businesses to operate because at some point you start to lose the trust of your staff, right? And then you have sure. this big this big like flood of income that comes in for them offsite, <laughs> right? Um, from the government where mm -hmm. they're giving them X amount of money, which they should, right? right? They should help support our society. Um, but then it made it very difficult for us business owners because when we tried to invite them back, they were making more money for less right. effort. Right. Just by being yes, at home. That's such a and the truth is, right, we have 1% of our society who is going to go out and be business owners someday. Totally. Right. Who are looking to the future and going, if I work hard now, I will find success later versus people who are opportunists and go, well, I'm just getting money to do nothing. I might as well take it. And right. I don't fault anybody for that situation. I'm just not that type of person. Totally. So I was really struggling with, you know, how do we navigate this? I can't hold my staff accountable. Right. But I need to operate a business. And so we ended up working with that and going, all right, so for the, this is the amount of team members that want to come back and help us out. How many hours can we be open underneath this amount of support and then that's what we ended up doing and our, i think our first step was we have to do online ordering tomorrow mm. and so we contacted quick a, you made that quick decision oh, i mean with like almost overnight like and do you have your own system in place a lot of restaurants in town i'll go like on uber eats and i go oh I, why can't i find them on this i'll pop over to doordash they won't be on that then it, what what happens with that delivery service system? Are there some that just take way more of a percentage? That, is that why there's exclusivity to DoorDash? I mean, explain that to me. I don't know about the exclusivity thing. I absolutely refuse to be in business with those people. How? All oh, wow. How come? Absolutely. Well, because I think that they they take too much from the business itself, and then they double dip and take too much from the consumer. So if you – I love Zips – Say this right now, bro, dude. Let's I talk about love, it. Love, love, love. <laughs> Zips is a burger place out here, but right? I'm yeah, sorry, dude. I'm not going to order Uber Eats on Zips because I know I can drive three minutes mm. to pick up the order from Zips. They'll get my full amount of spending dollars, and it'll be what I expect to pay if I do it through Uber Eats. Uber Eats is going to take a portion of their profit mm. or the sale. Then they're going to charge me extra on top of that, and I'm going to spend $45 for two double bacon cheeseburgers, a tub of fry, right. and a Coke. Yeah. You know how the sausage is made, so you kind of, like, you, you don't, morally, you can't abide by those, that bullshit that they're trying to do. But, uh, but people like us, we don't, we're, we're not business, we're not restaurant owners, so yeah. we're, we don't see how that works. So we're just like, oh, yeah, convenience. It's what so is, easy. What is the dip that, you know, a DoorDash or an Uber Eats would take from, the restaurant, what's the percentage, you know? 15 to 20%. What? Really? Yeah. 
You guys upwards work. of 30, you know? No. They're taking yeah. it. So then you see the businesses on said platforms charging way more than they typically would because mm. they have to offset the percentage that they're taking from them. Mm. Restaurants typically operate at 11% net profit. Crazy. Or lower, right? It really just depends on how well they operate their business mm. or how well they're swindling their customers. Like at the right. end of the day. What, right? is the, what is the dish... What is the most typical dish in universal restaurants in America that is, like, the highest profit margin, right? So, like, is it lasagna? Is it is it a cheeseburger? Like, it, it typically costs us this much to make this let's, let's specific take, Let's take guesses. Item. Do you know the answer? I mean, I, I think I have an educated guess. I'm gonna, what do you think? Um... Well, my question is, is what item is on most menus across the board? Like, even go to a Mexican restaurant, they're like, you can get a cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. What is that item that is on most every menu that is there uh, because of the profit margin and also the ease of making it? Anything um, fried. Yeah, I was going to say, like, French fries. Uh -huh. <laughs> Anything fried. However... What I found in all of my businesses that I profit the most off of is pizza. Oh. That was my answer. Really? Yeah. It yeah. doesn't, it does not take, <laughs> I'm like looking for the voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, the yeah. voice of God. <laughs> it's Daddy Steve over there. Steve I got Daddy. that right, Lord? <laughs> yes? Yeah? Yes. It was pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because, the, so you got to think about it, right? It's not that the ingredients are super, super, super cheap. It's that you don't need to put a lot of ingredients on the pizza. Oh, yeah. Dough isn't expensive to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a time process um, where you're going to pay in labor. Oh, but you're yeah. making dough in such a large batch that if you take how many pies you can make by how many hours it took to produce uh, that batch of dough, then you're looking at a lower cost and gotcha, a higher profit. Gotcha. And then you look at like all of your toppings. You know, you're just sprinkling cheese on. You're not like dumping a bag of cheese on this, and then you're putting whoa, 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 paper whoa, whoa. thin sliced. You've obviously cured never meats. had one of me and Julian's pizzas. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I'm <laughs> slightly <laughs> offended. I haven't been invited. Yeah. You are now, dude. You We're brought us those. Up, you brought yeah. us those ribs, dude. I'm about to touch you. Mm. <laughs> Do you have a long stick with a little hand? <laughs> yep. Social distance. Little, little garbage grabber. Um, yes. Of all the chain house. Uh, pizzas, Papa Murphy's, Papa John's, Papa. How many Papas make pizza? There's so many. <laughs> Papa Doc. Papa Dot had one. <laughs> all Papas. Uh, of all pizza pipeline, Domino's. Like, what's the best one in your opinion? What What's your favorite one to you? Know, you're You're Indulge. a lover of Zips. Me too. I rocked through the other I don't day. Think I've had Zips. We went. I have my buddy. My Australian friend was in town. And we were, my wife, you know, my wife, yeah. she's, she eats like an Olympian, right? She eats like Michael Phelps. Uh, or no, Michael Phelps eats like crazy. She eats like very. Michael Phelps probably eats pretty good, dude. It's a good reference. No, it's they fine. said he, he, I read some article, he eats like 100,000 calories a day or something bonkers mm. like this. Oh, yeah, been bad. When he was training for the Olympics, he was eating like six pizzas a day. Wow. Uh, I might be making up those numbers. I don't yeah, know. you are. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Certainly. So, you know, I kind of like, if I'm going to go to Zips, that's not a family meal, right? Because my wife, what's my, what, Taz going to have some crinkle fries? She's going to have a broccoli bite and a cup of <laughs> water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Broccoli smush. Um, so I, 
I cruise through Zips. You're you're a fan of Zips. Zips is a local oh. fast food. Uh, yes. You would consider it fast food. Yeah. It's like boutique fast food though. It's kind of it's like a higher end fast food burger. Yeah, I mean it's not cheap by any means. It's not right? cheap, but it's like In and Out is technically fast food, mm-hmm. but that's like gourmet. I love In and Out. I'm a, I'm a big In and Out fan. So. Sorry, this is a really long-winded way to just ask you, what's the best <laughs> chain pizza? Oh, man. All right. When I say best, if I'm going to put trash in my body... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Trash gonna, it up. If I'm going to trash it up, yeah. Little Caesars. Oh, oh, dude. Five hot and readies? Oh, yeah. Five dollar hot and readies. They got, yes. that, they got those sauces, too. Yeah. Yeah, they got oh, all those sauces. All the garlic cream sauce and the buffalo ranch that and the garlic, oh, yum, yum, yum. That garlic <laughs> is incredible mm-hmm. and does incredible oh, yeah. things to my body. <laughs> does it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You should. Yeah. yeah. I used to I used to go to, to Taco Bell and um and ask my mom, I want I want the nachos, Mom. You know, they used to like give you a bag of chips and then just a cup of the nacho cheese. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't touch the chips. Just, Just finger scooping the nacho <laughs> cheese. Oh, yeah. Whipping it in. Do you ever do that with the hot and readies? I j- I'm a dunker. With, oh, you're a straight dunker, dunker, dude. Dunk, dude. Dunk, Tim he's Duncan. Cla- he's got class, dude. Tim yeah. Duncan over here, greatest spur to ever, uh, so, ever live. But so you now, know what? You're a, you're a, you got facial stuff, you know? Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. You got to be careful, right? And I'm, I'm always moving and right. going places. Yeah. So if I, if I just, this thing just gets, and it's the shortest it's been in ten years. I saw some videos of you. Yeah, I feel like when you we first met, you proper like uh, Samwise. No, what was the character on Lord of the Rings with a huge Gandalf? Beard? Gandalf. Well, Gandalf. Yes, you were straight, straight pulling a Gandalf. I was, a, I was a halfway ZZ top. Wow. Which, like, okay, so let's talk about that. As a as a chef, um, you know, growing up, my mom cooked every meal. She's just. An incredible cook, awesome cook. But every once in a while, I'd just be, I'd catch a hair, mm. right? I'd catch a hair in the yeah. lasagna or the, or the fettuccine. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that, with the beard and stuff? Lots of maintenance. Lots of clipping mm-hmm. clips. He, dude, he definitely, yeah. like, grooms that thing. You can tell, man. You can yeah. tell. Yeah, you do well. Oils. Do you do yourself, or do you go to a barber? I go to a barber. Uh-huh. Buck over at um, Porter's. Shout out to Buck. 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 Buck is the man. The buck stops here. Anybody? Right. <laughs> good one. But no, he yeah, he does a good. He he takes really good care of me. I get my hair cut once a week right now. Really? What? Nice, yeah, dude. Because I don't have time to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah you bet. are a busy, busy, yeah. busy man. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Chad. You're 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 a pretty young guy, and you have you ha- you're a business owner of several businesses, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in how you develop that work ethic for yourself. And I understand from indulging in your life story a bit last night. That you started uh, young and like kind of having a reaction to 9/11 um, yeah. and a frustration with all that stuff, you kind of like decided to go enlist yeah. and, and talk about that. Where did you well, like learn how to get to where you're at? Well, Julian, it actually started a bit before that. Okay. So my family, um, my stepfather, uh, who just passed away like four months ago, oh, or I'm less, sorry to hear that man. Bless his heart. His family owned a dairy farm. In but up Ching Addy, Washington. Oh mm-hmm. shit, I forgot yeah. about this. Yeah. And my aunt was Alan's teacher. Oh, whoa. Yeah, dude, we, yeah. we connect. This is the weirdest thing. So continue, because then yeah. I'll go on a caveat later, <laughs> or else I'll just talk in circles. So I spent, instead of hanging out with other kids in the neighborhood during summer from, I'd say, the age of 10 until I was 17, um, I spent all of my summers on a dairy farm 
milking cows, um, hooking up irrigation pipe, huh. baling hay, oh, wow. all that. So I learned work ethic from a really young mm. age. Liked it, hated it. I think there was in the like the first year was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. I get sure. to like ride around on tractors yeah. and I get to pet cows and, and it all a that job. stuff. And then it, yeah, it did become a job. And I think as I got a little bit older. I really wanted to just hang out with my homies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so glad I didn't. Right? right? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I miss yeah, them. Like, yeah, they totally. were great. But, like, what it's done for my career, um, I, you can't replace that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I get up every day, and I don't care how much I bleed. This is passion. I'm so excited to do what yeah. I do every single day. And some days suck, and some days are great. And most days, most days are great. I'd say, right? Like, you make your day great. Yeah. You get to choose it. Totally. So, um, yeah, and then I, you know, 9-11 happened, right? And that was that was tragedy, and I, I woke up. My stepbrother was sitting next to me, um, and he showed me a lot of what was to be done on the farm, and he had a great amount of work ethic and just a good, like, mini mentor for me. Um, and he couldn't go in the military because he had pins in his ankle from playing sports. This is your older brother? My older stepbrother, yeah. Okay. Wow. And I just looked at him and I was like, dude, this is this is messed. I don't I don't know what to do. I, I think I'm just gonna go down and, and check out the recruiting office. And what were you just like just eighteen? I was yeah, I was just eighteen. I wasn't just eighteen. I turned eighteen in November the November before. Uh-huh. Okay. So I was more of the older group in my in my class. But I had just graduated high school and I was just like, shit, let's go. And so I really? showed up. Really? And, and I was thinking like, And oh, you had no intention of ever being in the military before this mo- moment. Wow. Not one time. <sighs> Not one time. I was looking at like some tech school, right? Like DeVry or maybe <sighs> MIT, but That's... probably couldn't get in, you know? Especially when you hear about my ASVAB score and why <laughs> I became a cook. Um, I <laughs> so I went down to the recruiter's office and the shortest line was Navy and I knew myself good enough that I stood too long in a line where everybody's talking about going and killing and maybe dying. I talked myself out of it. So I joined uh, Navy. And did you have any, like, did you consult with your folks before you did this or did you just got to dive in and just make I this just, impulse? I went straight to it and I, w- I actually ended up going to both recruiters, Navy and Marine. And my mom, she was like, you should, you should probably choose Navy. Why, why did she say that? Just because she felt she didn't want to lose a kid. Yeah, higher higher chance of survival. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you you get in the navy and um, through the navy you somehow find your way into the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. My the job that I was so you take an ASVAP. What's right? an ASVAP? ASVAP is like this ASVAP. this test that you take typically in junior high, right? And it. There's two different like tests you can do an ASVAP, and then you have the SAT that gets you into college, right? And I believe some different schools or whatever will take either, but it's kind of like a an aptitude test, right? They ask really ridiculous questions like, "Sally went here and took three eggs, and then then she ran across six more and grabbed those, and but then she lost three, and yeah. then Sally all- got herself an omelet. That's what's up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but she forgot the broccoli. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so it's just like, yeah, sure. and I was lost, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just not that kind of a thinker. Right, um, me neither. I get and you. so I didn't get into uh, nuclear engineering, yep. clearly. Yep. 
um, my the only job I qualified for that had a uh, technical school attached to it was to be a quote unquote mess specialist, which is half cook, half half barracks manager. Wow. So this score, you had taken it previously to enlisting in the military, or they, they give you this test once you're already enlisted? I <laughs> This is where things get great, so you'll understand my education level. Um, I took the test before enlisting. Mm-hmm. They looked at that, and they went, this ain't going to work. Uh, Look, we're obviously <laughs> proving here that academia is not that important. We got a, four people in here that are doing some pretty cool shit that yep. has nothing to do with their GPAs. No, so exactly. Yeah, you'll Kids. be good at you'll be good at <laughs> academics when you want to be good at them. Yeah, sure. Like at the end of the totally, day, totally right? for sure. When you find I, something you enjoy. I graduated high school with a three four, but that was when I I was okay. living on my own at that point. Why? I decided to move out. I, in high school? Yeah, you know, it's like all of us. We have, we think our parents are. That's dumb. that work ethic, Truth man. Is, you had you not. had a job and you could afford that. Yeah. So I, I could afford just I a sack of weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't know if I could. It afford was dirt that. weed at that. Yeah. 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 That, <laughs> it was. I was actually stealing it off my dad's. Camera Remember when too. you had to like go meet somebody by a tree behind a fence? Oh my yeah. god, dude! Yeah. I was thinking I mean? about that recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you just walk in and they're like, "Hey." What flavor would you yeah. like? We've got what strain tang- would you like? We got tangleberry. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's tangleberry? Yeah. Would you like an indica or a sativa? Would you like this? Kind? It's just like, I don't fuck. I'm and trying to get high. Everybody is high AF in those stores, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like, this is the greatest evolution of American society. Mm. If I like, worked in one of those stores, I'd have to be high, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I could talk mm. way more pot if I was yeah. high. I mean, why not? Yeah. What, why not, you know? What I don't understand is how there aren't... Uh, munchy sections of these Washington weed sh- shops. Right. There's no Ritz Bits. There's no <laughs> Charleston Chews. Like if I owned a pot shop, I would own Zippin Dots. I would own an eighth. When was the last time pot- you had an Annabelle candy? What's an Annabelle candy? I don't candy? know about that stuff. Annabelle was the name of a chocolate or candy producer that created the Charleston shoes. Wow. Oh. I don't think I've ever had one. I mean, I, I only char- know that because I dated an Annabelle once. I, I, uh, okay. <laughs> she, <laughs> she made, she made sure to point she that out She was like, this is the only Just good so Annabelle you know. thing. Yeah. Everyone else that's named Annabelle is a doll and will murder you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, I, th- that's the interesting part about those cannabis shops is that it's, it's I mean, rooms the size of this attic, all weed, no chips. Yep. So you were living by yourself. I was living by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was living with two roommates. One was a chef. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The other Picking one was skills. my best friend from high school. Uh-huh. And it was now my responsibility to get better grades. Well, let's just say it was my responsibility to graduate. And I wasn't heading in that direction by mm. any means. Oh, wow. Were okay. you getting into some, some, some stuff yeah, at all? Or were you just kind of just no. not caring? I just sucked uh-huh. at school. Same. School was not important. There was a couple of important things. No, there was one. It what was, was girls. that? Girls? Yeah. Girls? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he was up to his neck in Charleston shoes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lots of Charleston shoes. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I, I, once I realized that it, it was all up to me, I took summer school and I graduated with a good GPA. Good for you, man. But back to the aptitude test, I sucked. Even when I took it the mm-hmm. second time, didn't do well. Um, I scored the hot. The lowest possible score I could score to get into that rate, which meant then I could, I have two choices. I could either be 
a undesignated person in as a seaman, a fireman, or an airman, right? Which basically you either put out fires, chip paint, paint sides of boats for three years, and then you can take a test to then take multiple tests to get into a rate. Wow. So I said, all right, I'm just going to be a cook because this I'm going to go to a trade school. They're going to teach me how to be a cook. And then in two years, I could, I could be a petty officer and make a lot better money. And what was your interest in like being a cook at that time? Was it just kind of the default idea? Just like zero. You had none. You had none. none. Goose egg. Wow. I mean, listen, I cooked. When I say cook, I'll say that loosely. Chimichangas I made omelets. Yeah. Pretty good. And uh, the, all the girls that I was dating loved, loved, loved the Orange Julius as I learned how to make in home ec. Oh, I remember making. Why did they teach us how to make orange? Good thing they did. Well, they should delicious. still. I know. God, Orange Juliuses are good. You know what? If if our school system taught about making Orange Juliuses again, we'd have a lot less problems. <laughs> I think you're probably I'm right. I'm with you, man. I'll vote for you when you're yeah. running. Yeah. Um, so you nope. get into the Navy. Uh, you're... You test about as well as both Julian and I, and your options are cook or painter. Mm-hmm. You you go the cook route. I choose cook, man, all the way, and I hated it in the beginning. Mm. I hated, hated, hated. I remember a vivid conversation with my mother. I was I had gone through culinary school. I came back, visited, then went to which was really exciting. Right, culinary school was cool. I was learning things. Yeah, I I learned that I could be a good cook. Then I went to my first uh, duty station. Oh man, there's so much juice in here. How Please, long? Dude. How long was culinary school? F- so like the Navy goes, you're going to be a cook. They send you off to a Navy culinary school. Yeah. How at, long is that that course? It was about six weeks, so not like a real culinary school in civilian life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is that in San Diego? Where is that school at? This was in San Antonio, Texas at the Lackland Air Force Base. Lackland, okay. Now they send them to Kendall College in Illinois, which is an actual accredited culinary school. Okay. So the people coming out of boot camp going into culinary school have far better training than I did. So now that it feels like in the last 10, 15, 20 years – uh, food has really had this surge in people's attention, right? Mm-hmm. Like the food that we're putting in our bodies, the attention to detail seems to be just a lot higher than at least when I was like five. I, I grew up near Addy. That's like yeah. another random connection that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we didn't have really any proper restaurants in the town I grew up in. But now it seems like in the last 15 years with the celebritizing of chefs and cooks – has it also changed the mentality of the the military? I know it's changed like school lunches, you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to take better care of our you know, what we're feeding the the younger generation. Are we are we as a country trying to feed and and nourish the troops a little better? Do you see that happening? Yeah, actually when I was in, they were really big on making sure that we understood how many calories we were providing our troops, right? Okay. So there's two things, right? There is morale. Right. And morale is almost far more important than health. Okay. Because if you have soldiers or sailors who are on a ship and they're out to sea for 45 days without hitting a port, they're getting a little stir crazy. God. They need to have quality of food that makes them feel good. So when we start to see a lot of issues happening on the ship, 
the captain would call down to the food service officer and say, dude, pull out the sticks. People are losing their shit. Wow. Hmm. Right? Because people are just, I mean, that's how it is. You have a good meal. You feel good. You want to treat people great. You have a bad meal, and you're like, F everyone. Mm -hmm. How uh, big are the freezers on those ships if you're out for 45 days? (laughs) On an aircraft carrier, they are massive. I mean, we're talking... Man, give I us the square like, feet. Can you give us like, like an estimate? At least as big as the Zephyr Lodge. Wow. Oh my God! Like one really? floor, just massive, right? Like they're they'll bring in pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets of food, and they'll load them in according to how that food will be utilized. Uh, so it's very like well done when it comes to logistics. Yeah, um, but it like they'll bring in twenty four. Semi trucks, wow, like Jeez. frozen food semi trucks, and load out these before we just go out underway for even three or four weeks. I mean, you got 5,000 wow. people on this right. ship Jeez. fully loaded, right? It's so crazy, and they're feeding them four meals a day. Four, yeah, so they're we big have, boys, dude. You have and girls, are there right? girls? You have lunch, mm-hmm. and then you have dinner, and then you have mid rats, right? And mid rats is for the people who are working through the night, right? They have the midnight shift. Ah, mid-rats. Got right? But then there's also a touch-and-go that's 24 hours. It's a salad bar with hot dogs, chili, wow, and some other crap that's not great for your body. Hmm. So are you, like, landing on your feet at some point in this experience? I know you, we were talking a little bit earlier just about the the pay and you were also like involved in a relationship at this point who would soon become your your wife and mother of your children and yeah. you were having a baby on the way yeah so my first year in the navy i <laughs> i did a couple things i dislocated my knee while i was on my at my first duty station the uss benfold um i went to the submarine base and i had a full reconstruction of my knee oh my right God. um so i was stationed on shore for about close to like 12 months, right? Like almost a full year, I, w- I went through rehab and whatnot. During that time, I had bought a car. Um, at that time, also, my pay was $10,400 per year. God. Living in San Diego. Oh, that's, okay. that's, in about, San Diego that's about the annual expensive. salary of every Live at the Lodge. Uh, how good is this podcast employee? <laughs> You're making that much? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just hear God say he's only making ten thousand <laughs> Dude, even God's I affected wish. by COVID. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, no, I was I was in a rough spot and I took a second job while in the military, which is not wow. exactly okay. Why? But because of it. conflict of interest or something yeah, like that? Well yeah. you I mean, if you get like called to duty, you have to just like walk off your job. Like mm. I'm government property at this point. Right. I don't really have a choice in the matter. I signed it, I agreed to it. I need to be at work. So I worked a second job as a front desk supervisor at Shelter Point Hotel and Marina in Shelter Point Island, or yeah, Shelter Island in San Diego near Point Loma. And I met a girl, and I'm lactose intolerant, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. I was. I would buy ice cream every day. Why? To talk to her. Ah, oh, what a sweet heart of a man. And then I would just give it to the gals who were answering all the PDX phones. Oh, uh, right? I was like, you'd eat it in front of her, dude? Yeah. That's savage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> feels, so, like that, feels like that episode of, um, of uh, 
of uh, uh, oh man, what's the movie? The Ben, the Ben Stiller movie oh, with yeah, Polly, along all, came yeah, Polly. Like, yeah. Eats all the. You remember hot this? He food. goes out to the Indian <laughs> restaurant. And he's got hard. irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> and he's sweating. It's <laughs> delicious. It's <laughs> 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 <He's> good. <laughs> yeah, the things we'll do for a cookie. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I had bought a car and I needed to pay for it, and obviously the income that I was making for the military wasn't going to take care of that. What kind of car? It was a 2004. Nice, dude. I believe. A 2004 off the showroom S10 pickup truck. Why was no, that a priority? Two, why 2002, did you, sorry. But you, so you bought a car because, and then that's why you had to get a second job because you had yeah. to pay for the car? Why, why did you even need the car? Because I want to go places. Wanted to get, you wanted to nah, show chicks that you had a car and get yeah, them ice cream yeah. and have a yeah. car? I mean, it was... <laughs> Here, I got bought you an ice cream car. Now hop in my I don't know truck. How, like, I know living in New York, the transit have, system yeah. is like... <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, that's what you do, right? Yeah, right like, that's not... Right. You just you didn't be, have a car. You, you need one. You could be sitting right, right, on right. a trolley <laughs> or a subway next to somebody that makes a million a year, right? right? Yeah. Or somebody that makes like it's five It's like me, dude. Yeah, exactly. Right? Totally. So... I just wanted to be able to go places, mm-hmm. you know. I got, sure. I was stuck on the submarine base, which is at the uh, very end of Point Loma. So I'm like on an island. It mm-hmm. sucked, um, and I needed to get you know, whatever. You're right. trying to diversify your opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you wanted a dope truck. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Cool. I was it was real dope. It was a single cab S10 pickup. Yeah, you were hot yeah. stuff. Fire. Yeah. It was brand new. It was like fifteen grand. How many, it was it was outside of your means. How many yeah. disc? How many <laughs> yeah. disc changer do you have in that old S ten? Ooh, four. Hey! Ooh. I don't even understand why four. Why not six? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. But uh, where do they go? <laughs> later on, that was repoed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I had a car repoed too, dude. Nice. Yeah. That's our education. That's our education. My Jeep got repoed too. Yeah. Jeep Grand Cherokee. Four o'clock in the morning. Your boom, life boom, has boom. never been so low as to having to drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee and then having to give it away. Yeah. I've had some less rock bottoms than that one. Okay, so you get an S10 pickup. You 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 meet a lady. You eat a gallon of ice cream for her a day uh what happens bring us back to you're the making 10 for nothing yeah bring and us back to the cooking situation so when did it take off like while you're cooking in in the navy was there a moment was there a like when did it change when did that well it's funny you asked that al yeah <laughs> i'm curious uh, <laughs> no i was actually it was funny i was on i was on the and it, it happened before i bought the truck but i was having a conversation with my mother and i was telling her how much i hated the navy how long have you been in a year mm-hmm. telling her it just this sucks we're not even really cooking the food that we are trained to cook in culinary school I'm legit taking things out of foil boxes, putting it in the oven, and then reheating it. And you it's were also just done. stationed like right outside your house. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You I was really, living. You on weren't really base. like far away or yeah. anything. You well, I was living on that boat. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's there was no like my my daily commute was up two ladder wells and down a p way like sixty feet. Mm-hmm. When you got into the military, were you, did you did you have a feeling or an inkling that like ah oh, yeah I'm gonna see some I'm gonna action. see the world and I'm gonna mm-hmm. see some see some action and then you just stayed in San Diego? Yeah, it was really it was really boring. Um, so I'm on the forecastle, right, which is the front of the ship. And I'm having a conversation with my mom, and I said I think I'm done, right? But this isn't for me. And <laughs> she's like, Do you read? 
anything. <laughs> like that contract you signed with the Navy, how you like can't just go right. somewhere. Like, do you want to be breaking up big rocks into little rocks in Leavenworth? It's like, you need to figure the situation <laughs> out, right? And I was like, hmm. yeah, you know, and I'm still in that mode of like, my mom doesn't know anything that she's talking about. Sure. Right. So she said something that was really remarkable, and actually, it changed my way of thinking. She said, "Chad, what, what do you put food on?" I said, "You know, mom, I, I don't know, like a a white round plate." She goes, "Think of that as a canvas. Hmm. You've been an artist your entire life. You've drawn, you've painted, whatever. Paint on that white plate with food." I was like, "But they won't let me change the recipes. Do it on your off time." You can invest in your career outside of your career. It's mm. a good mom. And I was just like, whoa. And then she followed through, which she, that's a smart mom. Totally. Because she knew I wasn't going to take any of that advice. Yeah. And she started sending me cookbooks with lots of pretty pictures because that's all I needed. Ah, uh, so cool. And so I started making these recipes, so on and so forth. I got my rehabilitation from the knee surgery, went back out to sea, started cooking on an aircraft carrier, worked my way up from general mess to the wardroom, cooking for officers, then cooking for a captain. Wow, and cool. then I was able to cook the food I wanted to cook. You were? Yeah. They gave you some creative control. What is, the, what is the difference between cooking for... So you went from cooking for 5,000 people to cooking for just the officers, which I would imagine is, what, 100 guys? It's under 250. Under 250. And then you start cooking for a captain, which is how many captains are there on a, on a naval ship? One. Who no. Okay, so what's the, there's got to be a difference when it comes to cooking as how many people you're cooking for, like the quantity. Yeah. What's, your, what's the pr primo number of people that, that Chad White would cook for in a, in a night? To, to make the best meal possible. Is it one? Is it 10? Is it 50? What's Ten. that? 10. Ten's the number. Yeah. Oh, 10 is oh. awesome. That's so cool. 10 is so awesome. I love getting invited to cook at people's homes where I'm only cooking for 10 people. Because like... Noted. Cooking for one person, there's going to be leftovers. Right, right. Right. And not every... Like, I don't know. You're just like kind of like put in this box. I cooked for two captains. One was... All about BLTs, and that's all he wanted. And the other guy was like, I want you to go out into Sasebo, Japan, and I want you to go oh to a gosh, farmer's market, so cool. and I want you to pick the coolest stuff, and then you're going to cook for some foreign dignitaries and me. Wait, back up. When did you start going and traveling and doing all of that and getting to that place? Well, that just, you, were, you, started tra you just started get going out? and When we, and when we, pulled, into, uh -huh. when right. we pulled into ports. Yeah, and he, yeah. Was, he was sending you out, huh? Yep. Wow. Dude, that's so rad. Yeah. So um, of all the places that that boat went, right, how many different places did that boat port while you were cooking for that captain? Rimpack was five. Uh, of those ports, what what were the ones you you enjoyed the most? What ones did you remember most? Uh, could you give us like any stories of of those specific places all over the world where you're like, oh, this farmers market was really incredible. Perth, Australia was rad. Ah, oh, yeah, cool. we just had an Aussie in here yeah. right before you, man. Perth, Australia was really really cool. Um, Japan was cool because there was things I'd never seen before. Right. You know, mm -hmm. like what? Uh, sea cucumber. 
that was weird. Yeah, this is a slimy little bugger. Yeah, and I, I ended up cooking that later on in my career, like fast forward 10 wow. years afterwards. Um, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's a lot of weird things that were there that I, like nowadays, I'm like, hell yeah. Mm. Although I've, I've, I've ate all that stuff. That's great. Hello Kitty but back Pickles. then, I was just like, <laughs> would people would... put this in their mouth? <laughs> Do you think uh, that you would credit those experiences for kind of giving you like a culinary experience with being able to kind of go out into the world and pick out different ingredients that you had no clue as to what they were? And also maybe even the captain that was like giving you that free reign to kind of go out and choose stuff for him. It did. And it helped me have less fear of those items. Like as a kid, my mom would come on the show and be like, this kid would never eat anything green. Mm -hmm. If it was an onion or green not coming in his mouth. Mm. Yeah. He would cry. Yeah. And then I was in foreign countries, like picking things up and tasting them and going, oh, that's interesting. Mm. And he was know? giving you... And then doing kind of, research. Yeah, it was giving you like a new palate. He was kind of like, or like at least mature, developing your palate. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved doing that. But that was just like, that was like a blink compared to like everything that happened afterwards. Yeah. So I I'd, I'd like to pick on this a little bit more because you <coughs> your your mom you said your mom was maybe that ignition initially uh towards a love of cooking and it came from her giving you like an artistic bend towards the presentation essentially like make the plate your canvas. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't cook a lot, Chad, but I've been recently kind of recently getting into it mm-hmm. uh, during COVID. And um, there's two elements of cooking that like I'm really excited about. And I don't know if that's just the performer in me or what, but mm-hmm. presentation and, and quantity mm-hmm. are two aspects of cooking that I'm really interested in. Um, was it presentation that really brought you over the fold of like, oh, wow, there's this whole world of, not only is our ingredients endless, right, Mm -hmm. but um, the way you present these ingredients, right? So as a musician, uh, there's only so many notes you can play, right? But you can present those notes connected with the artistry of the way you dress or the way you sing or the way you sound in in endless ways. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe ingredients and cooking and presentation are in those same ways. Was that the... Was that really the catalyst that got you excited about about cooking, you would say? And and how do you continue to develop um, those tools? So presentation was the first thing that I focused on. Ah, okay. Right? It was all of it. Like, it had nothing to do with flavor. I was putting together beautiful plates that taste like a bag of punched assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Which, wow, yeah, full bag. I can't even do that, so you're beating me But But that was the thing, is my mom, the way that she had explained it to me was like, don't think about how good this is going to taste. You need to just, like, do what you know best make beautiful plates and then start making it taste good. Mm. Right. She was just trying to find something that occupied my like negativity. Mm. Uh Right. And I think that was really smart. Right. I, I went to figure that out on my own. Uh And so that's what exactly what I did. I was really like looking at it from an artistic standpoint first. And then as I grew in my career, everything was flavor. 
it didn't matter how it looked, right? Ah. And then eventually, both those two worlds collided, and I was making beautiful, tasty food. And you had landed there in, in, in your passion at this point for food by the time that you had kind of exited from the military, which was, a, what, a four-year um, yeah, term? Yeah, I, I was there from uh, 2002 until 2006. Uh-huh. And, and, and where'd you go from there? You were like, all right, cooking is the thing. Like, I'm, I'm in. I'm going for it. I'm going to... You didn't just go, like, open up restaurants. You were still a pretty young kid. Like, what was your next move? So my next move, I did an externship at the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego while I was in the military. And within three days, the executive chef offered me a position. Wow, man. Because I was just way more passionate, right? A lot of the cooks or chefs that went with me on that externship, we were all, like, E4 and above, right? And E4 is a petty officer, right? Yeah. So you're a supervisor, essentially, in the military. I did my eight hours, and then the hotel del was like, all right, you can go ahead and go home for the day. And I'm like, what? You didn't want to. Like, I, go home. I'm here to learn. Right. And my shifts in the Navy are 14 to 16 hours minimum. Why Go home. Where's, where's my next eight hours? Let's go. Was that because of an aspiration to just like get to where you knew you were going to wind up going, which is here at mm-hmm. this point with all these businesses? Or was it just like a genuine interest to learn because you were just so fascinated by the whole process of it all? I really, at that point, I wanted to be a chef. Uh-huh. Mm. And I would do whatever it took. And you had a kid or kids at this point, so you were like trying to put food on the table as well. So yeah, you were like, I got to get my shit together. My oldest was born at that point. Okay. When did you have your first kid? How old were you? I was 24. 24, wow. wow. Do you feel like that, um, obviously you were given a, or maybe you developed a proper work ethic as a youngster, but um, I had Rudy, my son, later in life, I mean, I guess later, 32 was when we had Rudy. And I have friends who had kids really early. And it seems to be that there was some sort of efficacy in their development towards providing for somebody else, like taking the focus off themselves and and providing for another human being that added to this, like, drive and desire. Do you think about that ever? Is that a, did you notice that in your own um, parenting? I think for me, it was like, I just didn't have a choice. Right. You know, I wasn't ready to have a kid. I wanted a kid. Yeah. I loved the idea of having a family. I was excited about that. Um, but if I was to like go back in time, just because of what I want to be able to provide for my daughters and be able to have the time to spend with them, mm. I absolutely wish I would have waited. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked now that my daughters are. 13 yeah. and 15 years old and Must I'm only cool. 37. Yeah, that's great. Right? Like I think that's cool because they're they're teaching me things that's oh, going on in the world. Yeah. But we can relate. We're not too far apart in our age groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have people on my staff that are my oldest daughter's age. <laughs> right? Wow. So like I'm I work with those people every day and I find interesting. I find their perspective very interesting and it has allowed me to be I think a better parent currently for them. But I also look back at like the struggles that we had mm. that were just unnecessary. Um, and I think that I was just in a rush for everything. I was in a rush to be 
the executive chef. I was in yeah. a rush to be a parent. I was in a rush to get married. You know, I wish I would have spent more time when I was in the Navy, like going out and experiencing all the places we went to. But I was, I was just experiencing the bottom of a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, it was yeah. like, and it wasn't like I was depressed. It was just like, yeah. Yay, land. Let's get hammered. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so sure. I didn't even see half of what I should have saw, yeah. you know, until I was well into my 30s and then I was able to travel because I could afford it. Mm. Right. And then I was making the decisions to go to those places to learn something specifically. Right. So at that younger age, having children, it kind of like stopped life in a way. Um, but what was good, I think in retrospect, having that stop life for me in that area allowed me to not fall into like really bad temptations mm. that was happening around me in my industry. So instead of me going out and drinking every night at the bar right. when I got off work at the restaurants, which is easy I was to going do. home to take care of my kids. Right. right. Right, and it kept me out of a lot of trouble. I bet. How, this is like a, and this might be too forward of me, but uppers in the service industry, <laughs> like huge. they have to be huge. Yep, absolutely. Our industry specifically has probably the highest rate of drug and alcohol abuse as well as domestic abuse. Domestic abuse, wow. Well, you got to think, when people are yeah, hurting, just, yeah. right? When, you, when a dog is scared, that's usually when the dog bites. Right. Right? So people who are poor, hurting, and scared are often going to make the worst decisions of their lives. Mm -hmm. Right? And that, that may come from years of experience of, of bring up, Right? where somebody has no opportunity other than to work in the service industry because they don't have an education and they've been born into drug and alcohol abuse mm. um, or domestic abuse, or they rebelled from their families or didn't feel like they had a place where that they could share a common ground with anyone else except for in that like school of the hard knocks attitude. And that's our industry. A lot of people in our industry really are plagued with those kinds of issues. And so cocaine, anything that'll get your mind off of work, yeah. <laughs> right? Drinking, right, but it seems high like, end drugs, like seems like it seems like uh, weed and and heroin would just not work well with the rigor of cooking four hundred dishes a night. No. It seems like you would need to just go, pop, 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 pop. I mean, I'll, I'll go into a restaurant, and uh, I have a couple questions for you, Chad, that I've been storing up my old dome pipe here. I'll go into a restaurant, and I'll go, wow, man, what a cool menu, man. This must be so fun for the, for the chef to make. And, mm -hmm. and then I think about how long the restaurant is open, right? It's open. You know, if it's, a, if it's a really nice restaurant, they might open it. They might have a lunch and a dinner, mm -hmm. right? I mean, some places have a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner menu. And, uh, you know, for me, when, when I go and I play a song and I debut a song, um, it's so fun to play that song initially, mm -hmm. like the first hundredth time I play it. But, man, I got tunes. I have this one song called Unaware mm -hmm. that I've sang easily th 5,000 times. Yeah. And there's this 
fucking note at the end of it that like I just am compelled to sing every time. <laughs> After you've made four thousand cheeseburgers, like does do you one? How do you like ingest new inspiration into that cheeseburger? Um, after you've made it 300 times in the same day, is there some, like, you personally, is there some sort of practice that you, that you, um, th that you do in order to, like, continue to maintain, to put love into each one of those meals? For, I wouldn't say that there's a specific practice, right? I mean, the biggest thing is that consistency is everything. Mm. In, in maybe music, a live show, I think a lot of people would like to see something different. Mm. Like when you go off on a riff, right? Or you start playing with how you're singing that song and you're hitting your high notes, but then you're taking it in a different direction that people have seen. Like that's like freaking crazy exciting for people like me, mm, right? Cool. Like I'm like, yes. He's never done that before. That's rad, right? But when you're dealing with people's food and they expect they're going to get that lobster roll right. exactly the way it is every time, that's not acceptable whatsoever. So it does get a bit mundane. Mm. And I build my recipes out to where it's not hard to hit that note every single time. Gotcha. It's hard mm -hmm. to not hit that note. Every single oh, time. interesting. I eliminate all of the reasons for that thing to be changed. Gotcha. Take some notes, dude. You I'm, I'm sing, about, I'm sing about to do it. Anymore. Every time I get in this, well, not every time, but, man, there was a, <laughs> at least the last three records I put out with, I'd get in the studio and I'd just be like, I'm going to sing as I can. And then I'd go out on the road and I'd tour those records and I'd be like, why did I sing it this high in the studio? I can't. I can't do this over and over and over and over and over again. And now when I've been in the studio, I'm just like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm just going to do it down here and see, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's clever. You have, a, you have a bunch of different restaurants. You have a, uh, you have a lobster roll uh, restaurant. You have a ceviche restaurant. You have a barbecue restaurant, pizza. Um, you're obviously versed in a bunch of different uh, culinary disciplines. What's your favorite? Is there a favorite? Do you have a specific like area of the world where like that's the food? Mexico. Mexico, cool. And you have a restaurant in Mexico too, or do you no longer have that? I restaurant? used to. That was the one. first one you had, right? That was my third restaurant. Oh wow. Yeah, but it was by far my favorite one to cook at. It was Mexican food as well. It was. Yeah, in Tijuana. In Tijuana, right on Revolution. Wow, bro! I just did the other night. I, we had a we had a couple friends over. Um, and uh, I did some carnitas mm. in the crock pot yep. for 14 hours with uh, Mexican Coca-Cola. Have you ever have you done the, done this recipe before? I have not done Mexican Coke with carnitas. Bro, I would love to do this for you. It was you. good. It was Let's pretty banging. It. I was very proud of it. So what about Mexican? Do you have an Instant Pot? Yeah. Because you could have done that in two. Oh, maybe <laughs> not an Instant Pot. I have a crock pot. I did it in the crock pot. Okay. He still could have done it in two, is what Chad's saying. Yeah. Um, you'll have to teach me that I'm trick. Gonna bring, I'm going to bring you over an Instant Pot. Oh, yeah. Anything instant, dude. Instant uh, satisfaction is my favorite type of satisfaction. I'm, I'm, 
Why, why Mexican? All right. So my ex-wife is from Cuyuca Benitez in Guerrero, Mexico. So just northeast of Acapulco. Okay. And her family really... I mean, she and her mother are the only one that speak English in her family. Wow. So all of my experience with their family was like very connected to their roots. And I absolutely fell in love and became obsessed with their culture from their hospitality to their flavors. And then I started traveling around different parts of Mexico with these different chefs, right? Some were like nomadic chefs that only cooked by fire and they were fishermen and hunters. Wow. And then the other ones were like high end luxury celebrity chefs, you know, like Enrique Olvera. I mean, this guy is insane and I've had the opportunity to cook next to him. Um, and just the way they think about food, but also like dig really deep into their culture, not even just like the good culture, but the bad culture and mm. where things came from. Like Mexican food has so many worldly influences in it that people have no idea. I think Mexican food probably has the most flavors out of any cultural food presence anywhere in the world. Wow. And I just, it just blew my mind. If you would have told me when I was 12 years old that I would be eating bugs at 30 years old and like actively searching out the bugs to eat because mm. they're delicious, I would have told you you're an idiot. There's no way. Uh, which bugs land on the Michelin list? Um, Crickets. Maguey worms. Whoa. Maggots? So these are worms that come from the agave plant. Oh. And uh, also tequila. ants. Tequila comes from the agave plant. Just yep. a little That's caveat true. there for you, Steve. They have ants. They have ant larvae which are called escamoles. They're the eggs from the ants, and they're cooked in butter with salt and pepper, and they're delicious. They taste kind of like a Parmesan version of cottage cheese. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, right? But I didn't, I didn't know about these things. I mean, I'm like in Guadalajara or La Caipaque and like eating grasshoppers out of a bag, <laughs> you know, wow. like kippered snacks, and they're wow. delicious. Yeah. But it's yeah. like I just didn't know anything about this stuff. Right. And... It was just insane, and so I started applying those flavors to my food, and that's when I found my flavor, where Which, I was most inspired. Like finding your creative voice. Yeah. And I love seafood, so mixing Latin flavors and seafood together was my perfect recipe. When I first went to uh, Zona Blanca, Blanco, Blanca, 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 Zona Blanca, uh, <clears throat> we were shooting... Uh, video for this charity that we were doing together. Mm -hmm. So we we know each other in all these really weird, like different pivots, right? Yeah. So you, your aunt was one of my my high school pottery teacher. Mm -hmm. um, you went to high school with my sister in law. Yep. Um, we were playing a festival in, excuse me, in San Diego, and my organ player Greg. Was uh, he was he's a really great chef. Yeah, and he was doing. I don't know if a two, demo. A demo. There yeah, you go. Yeah. And um, you randomly got asked, "Hey, do you want to do this demo with this musician? He needs a like a, a, a some help." Yeah. And um, you came, 
I think I sang a song during this time, and we met there, and then you're like, oh, and then we found all this, oh, yeah, I grew up in Addy, and it was like the most <laughs> weird uh, different connections. Um, but when I went to Zona Blanca, we were shooting some promo for this charity event uh, for the Grayson House, which is a nonprofit in town that um, helps young uh, pregnant teens who are... Uh, don't have a good life, uh, excuse me, family situation. And you made me a bunch of different dishes from this, from, from your, uh, from your shop. But there was this one dish that had like, was like Doritos and <laughs> gummy worms. And yeah. talk about this dish. This yeah. was like, I, I brought it, you put it in a to-go thing. You yeah. put them all in a to-go thing. And I brought them home. And I remember my, my best friend Paul and I were like building something. They're like, dude, I got all this stuff. And I open it up, boom, delicious, boom, delicious. Boom. They were all delicious. But then when we opened up the last one, it was like, is this a joke? <laughs> Not a joke because it was delicious. Yeah, it was yeah. seriously delicious. But there was yeah. gummy worms Face in it. Face value was like, like, what the hell? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I was like, what is this thing? Talk about that. Where was the inspiration of, uh, what is this dish? And where did you? So I had this, like, this cool opportunity. I don't know how I landed it, but San Pellegrino puts on this thing called the 50 Best restaurants in the world right and they have they have them separated into categories of asia uh latin america mm. and the world mm -hmm. right and i was invited as an influencer because i had a decent following on my instagram okay to go to mexico city and basically tweet instagram and facebook Everything that was going on ah. as a tastemaker, yeah. essentially. And so I got to go to all these crazy restaurants every single day. I mean, I probably packed in like 12,000 calories a day. Hey, dude, wow. pulling the Michael Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't doing breaststrokes. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was crawling because I had so much tequila in my body. Yeah. So I went to uh, this restaurant called Quintanel, and uh, the chef at the time took i think number 4 best restaurant in all of Latin America in Mexico City wow and his name is Jorge Vallejo and his restaurant is fine dining to the max and i may have smoked a little something before i went there was it um, salmon or it was salmon yeah i was smoking salmon perfect uh brought it it was I brought smoked salmon from Spokane. <laughs> and uh <laughs> delicacy. I was still quite hungry because the meal that we were having was micro courses, but it was like twelve different courses. And so I went outside and smoking a little bit of that salmon and I, I see like this line of people and so I just, you know, I'm curious. I wander down this this pathway and we're in a pretty elevated part of Mexico City. Um in when I get to the line, it's every type of human being. Hmm. From grandma, kids, businessmen in suits, hipster people, everything, right? <laughs> hipster people. They're <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> a weird class. <laughs> yeah, sorry to single you out, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I see this line. I'm like, well, I got to stand in this line and get whatever they're eating. Like, this is crazy. Like, every single type of human being likes this food. What is it? And it was Dory Locos. 
And Dory Locos is Doritos chips, Doritos nacho cheese chips, which I think is the greatest Dorito chip Likewise. of all of them. Yeah, like that's that's the that's the free throw, the lay-in finger roll of chip. I will agree with you. However, the people who love Cool Ranch will. Oh knock yeah, you totally. Out. They'll fucking punch you in the dick, dude. Yeah, well, they can all just fall off a cliff and eat their own <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Truth. I'm a Cool so, Ranch guy. Get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Take a walk. Uh, sorry, continue. No, uh, Cool Ranch are dope. I like uh, Cool Ranch. The audio can run itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no more Singer, camera shots dude. on you, Chad. Singer, dude. <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I get up there, I place my order, and they give it to me in just seconds, and it's Doritos, nacho cheese chips, gummy bears, um, pickled pigskin. Uh, Japones cacahuates, which is Japanese style candied peanuts, um, cucumber, some sort of like tahine and chamoy mixture, and then herbs and chilies. And it was everything that my mouth understood as flavors and more. So sweet, that is salty, spicy, sour, and then. That magical dust that makes everything taste delicious. Chip yeah. dust. Chippy dust, baby. You know what Not chippy dust is, dish. Right? Chippy dust, chippy dust. That has MSG in it. Monosu- yeah. Monosodium glutamate. That's it. That's that, that's that stuff on like Tim Cascade jalapeno chips mm. that even though when your mouth is on fire, you have to reach for that next chip. Yeah, you have to reach dude. for that next bag. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. What? So that's S- after that, that Spokane smoked salmon. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that like... um. When whoever it was, the brilliant human that came up with this dish, do you think they potentially also had some smoked salmon? And they were just like, man, what do I got in the fridge? There is a good chance. <laughs> and they just took every single piece of leftover thing. They had like just, uh, just enough of the Doritos in the bag. They're like, well, I can't eat. I got to mix this with something. A couple leftover pickles. They just all throw it into a salad bowl and just whip it up, and there you have a brilliant concoction. Cheech and Chong probably invented that. How much of cooking is that? Like, how much of cooking is taking a nice rolled-up batch of smoked salmon and going, like, what's the craziest thing I can think of right now? I think some of the best recipes that were ever created were created around Smoked salmon in somebody's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I have some questions. Okay, here. give me the top. Give me the, what do you think? Because I think grilled cheese tomato soup, dude, that's like my, oh. if I was locked away and I was going to die, that would be my, that would be my, my. All right, so here's the thing, right? I'm doing a, a dinner tonight for, for this, this, this birthday, right? And the other night, after plenty of smoked salmon, I had leftovers from a party that I had catered that day. And it was smoked tuna. Mm. Um, it was raw tuna. Mm. And then this salsa that I made with peanuts, chili oil, chili, citric acid, fish sauce, cilantro, right? So I took these tostadas that we grilled up on our grill. I smeared some mayo on it because fat's where it's at. And then I added <laughs> both the smoked tuna and the raw tuna and then put the peanut sauce on it. And then I ate it and I said, this, was, this is what we're serving at our next deal. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you, so I, I would also be remiss if we didn't talk about your stint or however long, your longevity, your experience on Top Chef. And I wonder if like mm. you actually had 
uh, kind of developed some of these skills on that show because they kind of throw you into this fire where they're just like, all right, here's pumpkin seed, squid ink, and ketchup. Go make a beef and bean burrito. Squid ink. <laughs> you know, like, what, what are you, that like, sounds, it, That it, sounds like you could create a version of, like, the legit Chinese ketchup that was first invented before Heinz. Well, you're the perfect person to say that because yeah. you just took what I just said and you were like, oh, well, I probably could make something yeah. real nice out of that. Yeah. Do you feel like, that, that was a, that was an interesting experience. You had already created a few restaurants at this point mm-hmm. beforehand. You were an executive chef. You had kind of done the thing and then you, what, like, I've talked to Alan before a couple of times and I, I'm sure they're different, but like this idea of like these reality shows that kind of uh, elevate you in the, in the place that you're at, like as a singer, uh, singing shows or as mm-hmm. like a, America's top model or these top chef, master chef, whatever um, shows there are. What was the interest for you to get into that when you already had restaurants that were open? And, and were they the places that you kind of started to kind of be like, this is where I can get really inventive. This is where I'm developing these skills. Or did you already have those? I believe I already had them. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to, I imagine. I'll tell you the good, bad, and ugly, mm-hmm. right? So number one, my myself going on Top Chef was my publicist dream. You it had a publicist it, at this point? Yeah. It uh-huh. wasn't so much my dream. Okay. Um, and at the same time, I had a restaurant that was financially struggling in a place where I it shouldn't have been financially struggling, but I didn't understand the economics of the location that I was in mm-hmm. and the clients that were showing up to that location. I thought being at the gates of Petco Park, I could do high-end Mexican food and it would crush. Right. And the truth was, is they were looking for a ballpark dog. Mm-hmm. And they assumed Mexican food would be a $5, one-pound burrito. And I was buying high-end ingredients and using Mexican flavors. Mm-hmm. But I dubbed it as Mexican food instead of farm fresh food with Latin influence. Mm-hmm. And so people were expect they're like, oh, well, how is he charging this much for carne asada? And, but it didn't matter that I was buying grass-fed beef from a farm that the most expensive restaurant in the city was buying grass-fed beef farm. Right. Grass-fed farm beef. Uh-huh. Right? Mm. Um, so I had to make a decision. What do I do? Can I go on the show? Will the show help me? My publicist thought it was the best next move for me because I'd been on a couple shows. I was on Bizarre Foods okay. where I served sea urchin ice cream and mm. swordfish bone marrow. And I know you want to talk about that. I do want so to talk we'll about back. that. Um, but then getting on the show at the same time, it was like, that's kind of like the pinnacle move for a chef. If you can go on the show and you can win, you could pretty much do whatever the heck you want to do. Is that true? In this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, if you play your cards right and you perform well and you're a good personality and so on and so forth, you're going to do great. And I think that Top Chef has absolutely provided me opportunities that I wouldn't have had had I not gone on the show. Right? But I think, Al, you would agree reality TV isn't exactly reality, right? I mean, there's some areas of it that's absolutely reality, and they catch those wonderful moments, but they like to catch the ones where you shit the bed most. Sure. Um, because that makes great TV. Yeah. Did this person just blend up tomatoes with uh, a sticker still on the tomato? Uh-huh. 
They did. Idiot. We got it. Yeah. And then everybody right. in they're, they're the country thinks that you're the biggest fail. piece of shit for blending right. a wrapper up in your sauce when you only had like 13 seconds to make the sauce. Right. Mm. <laughs> right. right. Immediately we have uh, couch critics is what I like to call them. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the best kind of critics. kind of like Yelp critics. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Yelp critics. Yeah. You guys could read my Yelp review responses if you want. That's that's a good show. You respond? <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Only when I have a good response. Yeah. Right? Like I'm yeah. not just going to be like, oh, you're, you're a, a tasteful jerk, dude. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I'll point out Mm-hmm. I will use what I think are my smarts to try to outsmart them mm-hmm. and do it in a very passive aggressive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I've actually stopped it though. I've, I, I do not respond to reviews anymore. I don't even read them. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, good. you shouldn't read them. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we have about 75% negative reviews of this podcast and I don't, <laughs> I don't read any of them. <laughs> I read them all, man. Julia I'm, still down. I'm still down in the bottom. She stays up till 4 a.m. reading them every yeah, night. I'm just I crying. hope this is the worst reviewed one. <laughs> no, all of them. No, this is, a, this is going be. well. And then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna comment. Okay, so you you decide to go on Top Chef. Um, you were kind of giving us the good, right? The, there's some opportunities provided to you that mm-hmm. otherwise would not have been given. Um, however, there's an aspect of the thing about like reality television, right? It's like actually two words. It's like the music business. A lot of people go, well, it's a music business. It's not just music. It's business. Mm-hmm. And More. it's music business. And you have to like, there's a relationship between the two. Reality television, there's an asp- There's an element of reality, right? But it's, it's television. Yeah. You need the, I mean, I would imagine as a producer, you want fighting and bickering and you want the train wreck and you want people... Blending, uh, you know, tomatoes with stickers on them. Yeah. Um, my experience with those shows, I've had positive experiences with them because I've never gone on them. Mm-hmm. Other than I was a like a guest celebrity mentor one time on American Idol, which was a great experience. That was awesome. Um, did they? Did you have to sign any sort of like crazy give your life away contract? Because that's always oh, yeah. what all my friends who have who have ever gone on those shows are like, yeah, it's, yeah, they might give you an opportunity and put you in front of like a lot of people, but you sign your life away. Yeah. So the bad experience is you're gone for seven weeks with zero pay. Oh that, my God. Right. That's how long zero, it takes to shoot the whole show. Seven yeah, weeks. Zero okay. pay. Well, and let you me get myself. paid as like a SAG the actor. The minute you get kicked off of the show, they start giving you per diem. What? And it's, Way more than what they were spending on the food for you on the show. What I don't understand. Right, like Top Chef should realistically be serving the best food to these chefs, and we eat like dog shit. Oh, bro. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't Chicken even. I'm not even and... an animal person, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't feed someone else's animals this food. Jeez, I am. Uh, I'm weird. glad that you that considerate of other people. Other people's animals. I, I am. Yeah. I mean, they're not mine. So, like, if, you know. <sighs> so, they, so, they gave you shit food. They didn't pay you. You're gone for seven weeks. Yep. Um, and then they can make a mockery out of you, right? Some people, I was lucky, right? I, I played it very even keel. Uh-huh. Do you, you were happy with, like, the performance that came across when you watched the show? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I was upset that I got kicked off when I did because I didn't feel like I got kicked off in a reasonable manner. I never cooked a bad dish. 
on the entire show. And uh-huh. I think every judge would agree with that. But when you get down to only nine people, and all nine people are cooking great dishes, mm. and your dish may be better than somebody else's, but you didn't exactly follow the rules on the deal, or you weren't able to follow the rules, and you l- got kicked off because of whatever reason, you have a little bit of frustration with it. I'm sure it becomes a little political too at that point too where people are like you know it's it's a it, they're presenting a certain thing that they want to like offer to the audience mm-hmm. so that the audience can kind of like get excited and you know it's all stay about with. Yeah, it really is all sure. about ratings right? For like sure. at the end of the day people have to buy into it mm-hmm. and if they're not tuning in they gotta figure out why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I did put up a pretty big stink about a few things and I got quite vocal and I think that that really was the demise of myself being on Top Chef. Outside of that Outside of being away from my restaurant for seven weeks, which I think may or may not have been the reason why I had to close one of my restaurants. Whoa. Um, my experience on Top Chef was great. And my my life after Top Chef, my first year after, I made a ton of money. Did you? More money than I ever made my entire career. And you got a, and you, you were saying like you had you're like an influencer on Instagram. Is that because of that? I would say half and half. Uh-huh. I had a a, a quite a great following pre uh-huh. top chef and then it just doubled mm-hmm. when i got on top chef mm-hmm. um, and then i did it i mean this wasn't really planned but it worked out that way i moved back the december after top chef had finished and so i was living in spokane when episode one aired Oh, wow. And Spokane's media was like, oh, my God, we got a celebrity oh, who's cool. moved back to Spokane, was in the military. I mean, there was just so many angles. So much hype around you. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it made it really easy to come back and enjoy that. Mm. And I think it helped me get a restaurant open quickly. And I opened that. I opened Zona Blanca on unemployment. Really? Yeah. But you closed wow. one. Yeah. Well, I was on unemployment because the one that I closed, I got sued by a few people because I signed some personal guarantees I should have from the show not from the show when I opened up the restaurant I ended up closing I signed personal guarantees that I should have never signed as a 10% owner in a business and so when those bills didn't get paid when the business shut down they came after me and I didn't have the money to pay those thirty, forty thousand dollars dollars bills right and so for all of our friends for all of our unemployment friends out there this is yeah. Well, and it's just business 101, right? I didn't have my lawyer look at anything. I was like, oh, these guys are great. And, and they were good guys. It was just, at the end of the day, when you lose a business, you have, to think out, you have to think about number one, right? And those guys thought about their livelihood. And so they took care of the things that they were legally responsible to take care of. And I was stuck with the things that I was legally responsible to take care of. I just should have never agreed to sign those mm. things. Yeah, right? yeah. I think my angle was that you open you open Zona Blanca on unemployment. I was like, hey, listen. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you if you dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. This does. Yeah. This. You can be as successful as you want to be. And anybody who says, oh, you had all these opportunities, or oh, you had all this, be like, hey, there's people running the Olympics with no legs. Yeah, that's true. How Pastoris, and then they killed their their <laughs> wife. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. So listen. You can run the Olympus with no legs, and you can kill your wife. Yeah. <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah. If you dream it, you can do it. 
Jesus. Um, <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> no, no, yeah. we're good. No, we're good. He knows we're good. Him. He's in jail. Um, <laughs> oh, good. All right, great. Um, so, so overall, that experience was 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 good for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and somebody is fired. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't think you can actually hear that on the. On the actual podcast, but somebody's phone is ringing and it's really bumming me out right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know who that is. It's yours. I know. Yours. Just hit. Don't answer. I don't see it. I feel like there should be a pick it, pick it, pick it. It's okay. I don't think it. I don't think it comes on in the mix. You really? can't actually hear it. No, because oh, this happened. This happened twice on one episode once. Um, I could have swore I turned that off. I don't know how that was coming through. That was awesome. But you, but <laughs> but you had a good experience with it, and then you kind of came out. You closed one restaurant, but you opened up another one from it, and that restaurant is. Uh, what would Zoda they call that? A when pivot. Door closes. Oh, you goddamn go find another one, and you <sighs> one kick door, that motherfucker down. <clears throat> yeah. You no seem one. like the type of guy that does that in your life. You seem like yeah. the kind of guy that doesn't that doesn't like let uh, adversity really scare you you don't seem like the type of guy that's like i'm no oh, i'm gonna fall and go down and dwell in my pain you seem like a guy that like that that picks yourself up and keeps going no matter what and and, and i wonder I'm if that shower comes shower away from finding a new opportunity every day yeah you do a hot shower or a cold shower um i do a in between <laughs> i can't do hot or cold you do a lukewarm I do a luke Lukey showers, dude. Luke. Lukey showers. Look at warm hand Luke over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, my hands are like asbestos hands. I can put my hands in hot water or cold water, but my body is just like I can't do hot and I can't do cold. Like, it's just I'm where right I in between. <laughs> That's just um, cruising through. Yeah. We, we probably have your uh, your grandpa to thank for that work ethic and that and that mentality where you keep going, right? Dude, my gramps. When he, let me see how I wrap this up. He opened a car business by selling one car, making hmm. profit off of that car, then buying two cars, making profit off of those cars, and then so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then ended up opening up franchise car dealerships with Hyundai and Mazda. Wow. And then getting out of the corporate game and then going into used car sales until he became wealthy. And then... Peaced out America, went to Mexico. Awesome. Right? So, yeah, I believe very similar. Like, his style of, like, take this small little thing, make it successful, and then get two small things to make them successful and handle what you can handle. Zona Blanca, 400-square-foot kitchen. Wow. Half a million dollars a year in sales. Jeez. I would have never thought I could do that. Right? Now, at 11% profit, that's not a lot of money. Right? Sure. But it allowed me just enough to be able to do something else. And so everything that I've done is I've taken these small amounts of opportunity and I've turned it into big Positive equity and just putting it back into something yeah. new and making it big. And, and that's how I've been able to grow. Yeah, but it seems like, you know, like your your grandpa, I mean, maybe your grandpa was a huge fan of cars and, and what he was selling. It seems, I'm not sure. It sounds like you, I don't know, like, I don't know if you're ever going to, I don't, you could correct me, but like, I don't know if you'll ever give up on this because it seems like you genuinely love making food and you love like the experimentation process of it and, and the creativity and like what your mom said, you know, like take that plate and, and look at that plate as a canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, so it seems like, you know, you're always kind of learning more about what you can, what, what kind of 
I think it's that and challenges, put. like all together. Uh -huh. I really love the challenge, and I love solving things. And so I don't think food's going to be my end-all, be-all. I mean, I'm looking at graphic design. I'm looking at production. I'm looking at different ways that I can diversify. You're going to come up here. We're going to put a we're going to put a taste case up here. We're going to start a cooking show with you. Chaz Cooking Corner. Hell yes. Ooh, that's pretty good. Um, do you enjoy the process of cooking food? Well, more, I don't know if you necessarily need to rate them, but uh, if I've ever made a good dish, my favorite part of making a good dish is reaction. is people's reaction to 100%. the dish. Is that the best part? 100%. Yeah, okay. So if it's I not the process. If I give you something and I see your face light up and you're like, whoa. Like when you brought in those ribs for us today yeah, and we all exactly. jizzed in our pants. Right? But you know what's crazy, right? <laughs> I've had those ribs a thousand times. Mm. So... My, the response that you guys gave me was far beyond what I expected the response to be. Or maybe I just didn't think about that there would even be a response. Mm -hmm. But it, where I find my biggest passion is cooking something I've never cooked before. Mm. Right? My, my favorite recipe is the one I've not developed. Wow. Love that. What are you, is there any, uh, any weird creations? You, you said you cooking sea urchin ice cream no 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 you're you're cooking a dinner tonight for a birthday party mm -hmm. and you threw together a combination of essentially like things that you had left over but you're like damn these things all work really well together yeah um you know there's like some industry standards in the cooking world like you know chocolate lava cake and things that have happened in the last like 20 years mm -hmm. Do you have anything like that that you're sort of in the lab where you're like, bro, I took a turkey and I shoved it into a bison's eardrum mm. and then I cooked it overnight in a vat of uh, Cheerio dust. <laughs> Is there anything like that right now that you're like kind of developing that you can give us a little wink at or you got to keep those wild. all up or under wraps? No, I don't hide <laughs> anything. I'm not a, I'm not you a, don't a turn my back on anybody and. And look over my shoulder and say, "Don't watch what I'm doing." I, everything you don't have you don't have any slugworths on yeah, your team. Everything's up for everything's up for grabs. And the truth is, right? Like Escoffier wrote the book on cooking. I've learned everything I know from him and a hundred other chefs. Everything that I have today, some portion of it was taught, right? So authenticity, in a lot of ways, like they say, is dead, right? Mm. I'm just taking what I learned from somebody and I'm applying my own flavor to it, mm -hmm. um, which gets me excited. Are chefs pretty sorry to cut you off? Mm -hmm. um, are chefs pretty good at sharing knowledge, or are there, is there is there a lot of like they'll share it up to a point where it's like the secret ingredient is always the cliffhanger? People like there's a little secret ingredient in this. I feel like mature chefs are completely open to sharing knowledge. sharing everything. Yeah, that's cool, right? And I think younger guys have this like I got to keep this for myself. I can't mm -hmm. let anybody see what I'm doing when. It's probably been done a thousand times. Well, it also comes from the way you're 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 putting in the work, like the 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 love and the, the each canvas is different. You know, it's yeah. how you paint. It's it not, really it's not is not necessarily the colors you got. Thing that I'm working on right now, gosh, I don't know. Like, I just hired this chef. Uh, I just hired two amazing chefs uh, that both moved from Southern California. That was awesome. Sorry. <laughs> I had a grumble in my I tummy. I hope that. <laughs> I hope that's that the <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Whoopsies. That's my that hot Jesus? Cheeto dust in my, in my belly button. Uh, <laughs> that was Lazarus. That wasn't Jesus. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so, so I hired these two incredible chefs. One's, his name is Hannes Coven, and he 
has been a mentor of mine in a lot of different areas, not just the culinary world, but business and whatnot. And then I hired the chef for the new Zona Blanca. Mm. And her name is Gina Pekka. And she's 24, and he's 52. I met Hannes. He came up. He you did. cruised yeah. up here. Yeah. They are literally the same age, somehow. Um, I don't know how that works. I mean, she's mature for her age, and he's young at heart? Yes. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool to work with them because their style of cooking is different than mine and they're challenging me every single day. Mm. But what's really cool about it is I'll come up with an idea and then I'll present it to them because I really care about their opinion and I know they're going to make me better Mm. and everything just goes crazy. (laughs) <laughs> right. And it's just like we're like pulling things out of the air. and We're like, oh, well, what if we did this? And then what if we did that? And then all of a sudden this dish that I would have normally gone this one direction with has like multiple dimensions. Hmm. But <laughs> you have somebody like Hannes who is. Wise. Right. He's energetic. When I say like young at heart, like he'll work 18 hours in a day and not quit for anything and love every bit of it. You want to talk about processes, loving processes. He loves the process of cooking. Oh, so cool. And she is young, but she is so mature. Most people her age, all they care about is money and getting notoriety. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need a paycheck. I'm here to learn. Awesome. Uh, Which is super. Which makes me want to pay her more. Totally. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Totally. Because she'll respect it. She'll appreciate it. Yes. Um, And so we created this dish the other day. I was cooking for this Mexican family and all their families from uh, Sinaloa, Mexico. Um, And the brother of the person that hired me spends a lot of time at Zona Blanca. And he's just like, man, this is like, I can't get mariscos or ceviche anywhere like this. And this reminds me of my home and I love it. And he's, he's a good, you know, he's, he's done well for himself. So he spends a ton of money. Like every time he comes in the restaurant, he spends like 200 bucks and $200 on ceviche in Spokane is a lot of ceviche. I was going to say, you got a half gallon of ceviche. There might be some tequila in there too. Um, (laughs) We're not fans of that around here. Nah. So, We made this dish, and we were thinking about, like, what dessert could we make for these people that they have had that reminds them of their upbringing but is different? Mm. And so we did a tres leches, which is like a three-milk cake. Yeah. So you make a cake, you let it kind of dry out a little bit, and then you pour over this milk or three-cream-style sauce over it that's liquidy, and you let it reabsorb all that in there, so it becomes really decadent, right? Mm. Well, we served that with um, this like chili, lime, pistachio, sugar tostada crumble. Wow! And then like uh, chili, um, achiote, and what's achiote? Achiote is a natto seed. It's like what's used in like al pastor, okay. marinating pork, or even lipstick. They use hmm. it as a pigment for lipstick. Oh, no way. Um, food coloring, so on and so forth. So we made these berries kind of a little bit earthy and spicy. We put chili negro in the cake with the chocolate. Then we made this like chili negro cream that soaked into the cake. 
and then we served it with rosemary ice cream. Mm. I'm so glad you fed us before you came here because we would be sitting here just Solid. drizzling in yeah. our faces right now. Still <laughs> drizzling, dude. Yeah, I know. They call me DJ Drizz. <laughs> and and they, they, they freaking loved it. And they kept each, each table kept calling us to their table and saying, how did you make this? Oh, my gosh. Like, this reminds me of Tres Leches, but, like, like flavors I've never had before. Mm. And so the idea started with, let's make a chocolate Tres Leches. Wow. And then it just it. moved and moved and moved, but we still stayed within like the cultural aspects. We still be using ingredients from their their history, right? Mm-hmm. And man, it was cool, and it was great to see them appreciate it, right? Because like you're, sure. this is a full Mexican family that like is very in oh, touch yeah. with their roots, mm. and they're like, this is the best bro. thing I've ever had, you know? Because you could create something as a white kid, right? Mm-hmm. You could create something from somebody else's culture and they go like, bro, you just didn't hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. That didn't slap. Yep. That it didn't slap, slap yeah. dude. Slap that <laughs> I knew tuna. What, I knew I was going to get Slap that, that yes. trout. <laughs> My daughters taught me. They said, dad, that slaps. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Right? It's kind of like the word bop. I've been hearing this a lot recently. Yeah. That's a bop. Bop. I mean, you get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. Sense. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the joy it's of language. Words, I knew what they were talking about, right. like yeah. by the way they said it. But we I was we, just we like, act Stats. too old when we're just like, oh, what does that what mean? What does that mean? So it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. It means <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Like, it, this is this is bad. Yeah. Like, remember, oh, you mean it's good? <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Remember when we'd be okay. like, man, that shit is. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or like, yeah. that's dumb. Yeah. And you're like, dude, that is stupid. So it's so it's good. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a, are you a sports fan, Chad? A little. A little bit. What's your sport? I will watch football, You'll but wa- I'd prefer to be at the game. Sure, okay. And I'd probably prefer to walk around the stadium finding different food, food. things yeah. and see how, hmm. like my chef was talking about this the other day. You go to a nacho stand mm. on one level. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the nacho stand on the other level and see how the two different people made the nachos. <sighs> is right? there? Have you been to what stadium uh, is really doing doing it well? Because most most stadiums have piss poor food. Yeah. Uh, is there one that you could you could highlight that that would that, that is really doing it well? I feel like Petco Park did a good job. Yeah. What's yeah. Petco Park? That's where the Padres play. The uh, most Padres Seattle Padres. team sucks, but the food is pretty good. <laughs> people just go for the for the. Well, onion it's rings. such a vibe there, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you have be- you're right on the water. You're on an island. You know, you have you have beautiful weather, beautiful people. Um, they have different levels of bars, and it's a party. You yeah. know? So it's like you can't help but to have a great time. I, I spend. 15, 20 minutes in my seat. Petco Park, dude. The all the pets of the world. Yeah, mm. that's crazy. That's the p- 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 Padres. Today, Junior. So I was I was asking you if you're if you're a sports fan because I wanted to. I was trying to curtail into a question. Uh, so you're a football fan, Bo Jackson, maybe mm. one of the greatest athletes of all time, util- utilitarian, right? Yeah. He could play football. He was a killer baseball player. Um, apparently can, like, shoot a moving target uh, with a bow and arrow with his feet. Wow. Have you heard about this? No. you got to watch the, the, 
the, the Bo the, Bo can rock a boat, dude. Yeah, like a thirty for thirty. The thirty for thirty on Bo Jackson is really incredible. But is there an ingredient that is like the Bo Jackson of football that just is so versatile? I mean, not count out salt and pepper, mm-hmm. and like count out the category. Is there a specific ingredient that you're like I could use that ingredient in pretty much every dish, and it's always gonna go great? Is it an herb, a spice, a cilantro, a thyme? Is there a specific ingredient that you're like, that's the Bo Jackson of food? I think herbs in general. Herbs in general, right? yeah. I mean, you could, you can make herbs savory. You can make them sweet. You know, um, mine's green egg. Tabasco. Egg, <laughs> egg's probably the most universal. Yeah, shit, egg probably out there. I, I would agree with you on that. Is there a meat? Uh, I have this question a lot uh, when we're traveling on on my bus. It was like, what you know, if you could only eat one meat, what would the meat be, right? And I'm typically, I'll typically land on a red meat kind of thing. I really love mm. beef, but I do think that it's pork. I think that pork is the greatest meats mm. of the meats. I think that it's pork. Yeah, I think pork is probably the most versatile. But you know, I like chicken. Come on, son. Mm. <laughs> I like chicken too, but I don't. That's I never yeah. get unless it's fried chicken. I that's like all chicken. I eat, dude. But all you eat is a wrap, bro. Grilled chicken Caesar wraps. If dude. somebody <laughs> if somebody laid every piece of meat out in front of me and said, "Which one do you want to cook?" It's always lamb. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh damn! I never go for lamb. Yeah, I don't know why. There's just something about it. I you know I had this the chef in in Baja. His name is Miguel Angel Guerrero. Great okay. name. And he is a handsome devil. He sounds like it. Right? Like Which he, one does he look like? Me or him? Oh. <laughs> come on. Sorry. Come on. Come on, dude. Neither. Come on. <laughs> come on. Close. I'm Ecuadorian, dude. Is it because right? my face Closer is lopsided? <laughs> he is tan. <laughs> he looks like he, he suck, belongs dude. on like a telenovela. He's like Javier Bardem. Have you ever watched like Spanish soap Cristina operas? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Girls, the, the most like beautiful the hottest people. Mexican. Telemundo. Like novella actor in the world okay wanna, so tell us a little bit more about this I guy i want to touch on him so so this guy <laughs> he took me on a crazy journey from tijuana all the way down to cabo san lucas via truck and uh like enduro motorcycles there was a group of 15 mexican guys and i was the only american and they all spoke spanish very little english i mean they could but they weren't uh, for whatever reason, I think it was to teach me some things. And mm. I learned a lot on this yeah, trip. On but this guy cooks lamb like I have never had in my entire life. Wow. And I've had him cook lamb. I've spent a lot of time with this guy over a couple of years. And I've never had lamb taste the way that he has made lamb from rotisserie, a whole lamb, to a leg of lamb, to lamb chops, to whatever, braised. And I have, am like hooked on phonics it's settled yeah. that's what we're doing the first <laughs> yeah. day when you come in for the for the Done. chad you could, chad you cooking you connection could, yeah you think you could rock some lamb out of the taste case yes oh, oh God, dude yeah. i'm really no stoked. i mean it's literally my favorite protein to cook with because i think maybe it's the challenge i think mm. many people don't like it and everyone that i feel like i've cooked lamb for that didn't like it loved it after i cooked it mm-hmm. so now i now it's like i want to shove lamb in everyone's face yeah cuz i'm i'm tip i stay away from lamb for me i i'm not mm-hmm. like if there's lamb on a menu i'm not going to go oh let me we're going to 40 gonna, bucks I, on I lamb will. I like we're going to lamb down I'm in it it's also like very uh, it, it, 
phonetically close to lame. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Yeah, there's a <laughs> no. B at the end, so it's just like. Um, no, that's interesting. I would I would be thrilled to. I would eat your lamb. Done. Yeah, I I'm would too. I'm gonna make you lamb. It's scheduled. I, put, I, it in the, I, put it in the uh, put it in the calendar, Steve. I would I would trust uh, trust anything you made at this point. Oh, Honestly, thank even you. the even the gummy worm and nacho cheese quesadilla that you're talking about. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> if you can get away from like what you're eating and just think about how it's like exciting your mouth. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And the truth is, people either want to kiss me for it or stab me. Right. Like, there's no in between. There's no like, oh, I kind of liked it. It's those Dory Locos made me very excited or very very angry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hey, you are a. Um, uh, somewhat of a philanthropist yourself and you're involved in a lot of charities and you do a lot of stuff for the community around here and, and outside of it. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because it's really awesome. I think like taking what you do and obviously everybody here knows now that you're an incredible chef and, and artist in the kitchen, but, um, you, you, um, go outside of that as well and you kind of pay it forward, um, in a lot of cool ways. So what are you kind of involved in right now that, that you're working with? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. So I think that the reason why I care so much about doing things for other people really kind of started with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. My grandmother spent almost like three days a week working at City Gate as a volunteer. Was, was she the same grandmother uh, that was married to your grandfather? Correct. Okay, they were the, yeah. the power couple. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And, you know, she volunteered all of her time at the church, and she decorated the church, and all these things. Like, she was just so involved in helping other people. Mm. Um, and as I grew up, I needed help from people. Mm -hmm. And I can't forget about that ever. So, I just, I don't know. It's just like, I see the need. And if I have the opportunity to give, I will. And in, in my earlier career, it was just giving my time, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'll come and cook at this event. You just take care of what it costs to do it, and I'll, I'll do it for free. I'll just donate my time to it. Or I'll go and serve at a soup kitchen. And then I, I met a, a guy named Ewell Sterner, and he and I and a couple other people created this thing called Hunger at Home. And it was really about providing meals to the food insecure. Right. And there's this like thing that people struggle with, with feeding homeless people. And that is, do they really deserve it? Are they choosing to be homeless or mm -hmm. whatever it may be? Right. Sure. But kids don't choose to be homeless. Right. And when you see kids climbing out of a tent near the freeway and then walking a half mile to jump on a bus to go to a school after climbing out of a tent, like it's it breaks not. your heart. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I started to really fall into like, this is my industry. Mm -hmm. I know how much food I throw away on a daily basis. How mm. can I turn this around? How can I provide some sort of help, right? Mm. Is it just providing food? Is it helping raise money? Is whatever it may be. And so we co-founded a charity called Hunger at Home. And we raised $400,000 in our first year. Wow, um, man. Distributed 140000 of it, which was our net profit. And then the next year we did 600 and then that kind of like dissipated because all of us lost our jobs with Hilton Hotels. Mm -hmm. And then, which was the, the company that helped us put this thing on. Mm -hmm. And then he's continued to carry it on in the Bay Area. But from that point on, I just felt like this higher need to be involved as much as I can and using 
the skills and the gifts that I had to help. Mm -hmm. Um, And so children have always been important to me uh, or people that can't help themselves. Mm. Um, And when I came back, I did a lot of charity work in San Diego. When I came back here, I was like, well, I can't just stop this. Like, this isn't just one area. This is like, this is my life. I Mm -hmm. have to continue to give back where I can. And um, I was lucky enough to, you know, be asked to emcee a couple of events and get involved with, you know, um, Big Table, which helps out um, supporting our industry first, right? Our hospitality industry. Um, and I talked on this a little bit earlier about how our industry is plagued with a lot of drug and alcohol abuse. And so how do we help provide services and by raising money through Big Table, they can provide help to these people or low income cooks or dishwashers that end up having a child and they can't afford a -hmm. crib or housing or whatever. Can we help pay their rent and things like that? And so, um, you know, first I attacked, you know, our industry. And then as I started raising a lot of funds, I started getting approached by other people. Um, And I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm a sucker. You know, I'm a Mm -hmm. sucker for, for helping people out. I hate seeing people hurt. Yeah. It's the worst thing in the world. And I'll put myself in, in a position where I may find failure to make sure that somebody else is okay. Right. And it's not for anything other than just like, I don't know. I can't say no. I'm sitting at, a, at an auction and I'm and I see a video and it brings a tear to my eye and I'm like, I'll 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 donate a thousand dollars. Yeah. I'll donate this. I'll donate that. I'll donate a dinner. You know. Hey, how can we make this dinner even more? Like, can we make two dinners? Can we make three dinners? Can we make five? What are we gonna do? Um, and yeah, I mean, it just brings joy to see something like that help somebody. Mm. It's really awesome, man. It's really really cool. And, I, I I don't I haven't known much about you before today, but I have a lot of admiration for you, man. It's really really cool. Um, I think it's 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 such a um, cool thing that you're doing just in all, all around, man, with all of your businesses. And even though that like we're in the middle of this pandemic and you're having to pivot because of the circumstances, I don't know, man. Your grandma and grandpa instilled some really good values in you, and you and you got a, a sturdy sturdy dome in the in your brain there, man. You're you're a straight shooter. You got some really good things going on, man. It's inspiring. Really cool. Thanks. Yeah, man. I appreciate Thank it. You. I mean, before today, I just thought that you were a parking lot attendant. I am. <laughs> That's all I do. That was my first. Ex- that was my first introduction. I was gonna, to, yeah, I was to gonna you, park. I, well, I'm a valet. I mean, that's really yeah. my oh, title. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Tell me, tell me the story. I don't you don't yeah. even know because you, you delegated me. I think it was you. You're just like, hey, dude. It was when you were doing your Stone Family field trip, and you were like, bro, we got like 800 people coming to this thing. You got to go up to the parking lot out here and like be the parking lot attendant and I was just like okay so I went up there and I was just like chilling like hanging out and I didn't realize I was going to be there for seven hours just like all right come on here park here so everybody that like met me on that trip was just like the parking lot attendant right yeah how many fr- <laughs> how many buddies did you make Dude, I was making insane. buddies all over the place man I it met everybody hilarious because <laughs> I had no idea who you were at uh-huh. all yeah and you went off 
I can't remember what it was. It was raining. Yeah, I was having a blast. <laughs> the things that came out of your mouth had me crying, right? And then later I found out that you guys were like homies for like a long time. Uh, right? yeah. Be- like, best pals. The only yeah. the only person in at Stone Family Field Trip who I could rely on to go Sit in the parking there. lot. Yeah. Oh man! And so I was just like, man, that guy out there—he's heated, man. I hope he doesn't walk off the job. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came in. And I'm like, and then I I beat your family. Oh yeah, right? yeah. They're and they're just there. like, oh, what? Well, well, I'm like, dude, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, this is the best. Yeah, that's what Stone Family Field we Triple had do. So much fun. That so night. much fun. Man. Oh, dude, I th- we were bummed that uh, we couldn't do the field trip this year, mainly because you had had uh, signed on to cook. Yeah. Mm, and that's what I was so most uh, peeved about uh, this year, having to un- unfortunately cancel Stone Family Field Trip. But next year, we're going to be pu- begging be begging at the, the foot of of uh, your your doorstep Consider for you to come back. Consider this my, uh, my approval. Yes. It's on tape, we're dude. We're doing it. Chad it's on White, tape. Alan Stone, <laughs> that's what's going to happen that's going it. down that's 2021. It. Mm. Um, Chef Chad White. Thank you so much for being on the show, my dude. You my are a, uh, a walking legend. Um, uh, where can people find you? What's the best way to support you and, and your happenings? I would just say, it, you know, come to the restaurants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Let's go there tonight. It's, it's, it's not just supporting me. If you come to our restaurant, you support my entire team. Um, I try to retain as many people as I possibly can through this whole pandemic, and it's been very difficult. Yeah, um, we have a solid, a solid team. These guys—they uh, really do bleed for me, and they're happily doing it. And so, when you come and you spend your dollars at my restaurant, you're really providing longevity for them to have their positions. Um, Zona Blanca is still closed. We've been closed since March. We're hoping to be open in November. High Tide Two is open and running 835 north post street um that was that thing you had earlier yeah i almost cried on our earlier podcast yeah, what, what's going on dude is this the ribs i just no i had so much caffeine that I like know, I so got emotional <laughs> and then if you like barbecue man uh who doesn't man i cannot give enough praise to my two pit masters scott randall and colin barker uh, Colin Barker left ministry to be a pit master. Oh, wow, dude. And there's a book in that. This is just, that's just different ministry. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, oh, for, for sure. sure. No, he is, he is the reverend of Q. Uh. Um, and, and then Scott, he left, um, uh, child protective services, um, wow. to, to be in, in barbecue. And, uh, they're both very involved in the community and they, are so passionate about what they do. These guys wake up in the morning, they text me, they tell me what their thoughts are for the day, how they can improve by 1% every single day, and they have made me the luckiest guy in the world. Mm. And that's so, and, and that's everyone that works there, from my, my business partner to my GM, everyone that works for, my, for me and my team. Like, it, I, I even say, like, work for me. Everyone I get to work with on yeah. my team. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I am awesome, so incredibly blessed. And all I want is for them to continue to have a blessed life as well. And so if you come and you spend your money in our restaurants, that's what you're doing. That's so cool, man. We're going to go, go and get some uh, high tide tonight. What, what time does high tide close? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. All right, we got to get there earlier, Jules. We got to do it all by. 
Oh, Do although it. I'm only on a parking attendant salary, so I'm <laughs> fucked. I don't know how I'm going to do which this. Is, which is pretty good in comparison to everybody else who works up here. <laughs> yeah. We do sell hot dogs true. Now. Oh, so okay, cool. Are, I can afford those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Easy. Uh, yeah. Chad, you're a legend. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. And we uh, I can't wait to have that leg of lamb when you get up here with you're your taste. Yeah, you're gonna, we're going to start this thing. So people who are listening, the next, the next uh, sister company of this Live at the Lodge umbrella is um, Chad White Cooking Connection. You know what, though? We need to have them name it. Them? Yeah, why don't you shoot in the, shoot in the comments what you think we should name our, our cooking hour with Chad White. We could uh, throw, throw in an idea. Throw in an idea or two, yeah. and uh, you might just get picked. And if you do get picked, we'll send you a freeze-dried leg of lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know people with liquid nitrogen, so we can make it happen. Yeah. Send them some freeze-dried seal. Speaking of seal. Ooh. Baby! Hell yeah. Cha-ching. cha Oh, boo-boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire Live at the Lodge family. Yep, yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, Patreon dot com slash live at the lodge.